This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Welcome to WTS Waikato, sharing the hyperlocal, controversial and quirky stories of the Waikato region. I'm your host, Gary Farrow. It's robot fighting time. Tronbox is Kirikiriroa Hamilton's very own robots fighting club. On Thursday evenings, they get together at the University of Waikato School of Engineering for some quality mechanical carnage. Trombox takes every child's loves of robots and introduces real engineering processes to create bots which can duke it out in the Tronbox arena. I went to talk to Shannon, the Tronbox organiser. Now, I initially set it up so that um, friends could, have t- could do Tronbots with a partner, mm-hmm. which is always fun instead of doing it by yourself, you enjoy something with a friend. Um, but it's ended up being something that um, parents tend to come along with. Instead of dropping your kid off to karate or swimming and sitting there scrolling through Facebook for half an hour, parents actually join in. And so often, instead of just having 15, 20 kids, it's actually 15, 20 kids with, their, with a parent, which is great because um, instead of just having the enthusiastic kid who's got some idea of what they want to do, there's the enthusiastic kid as well as the life experience of the parent, mm. which is great. Mm. Um, it works really well. Definitely. So would you like to introduce yourself and what your background is and how you got into um, robots? <laughs> yeah, uh, I sort of stumbled into it really. Um, I've been teaching for about 20 years now. I did a Bachelor of Engineering, sorry, I studied Engineering and um, did a Bachelor of Teaching and um, really enjoy working with my hands, really enjoy being creative, working, enjoy working with kids. Um, and maybe about five, six years ago, I uh, was working with kids in the classroom and come, stumbled across robotics and thought we'd have a go at it. And uh, We made a heck of a mess and didn't know, have a clue what we were doing. But we had a great time and the kids were keen to learn and I was happy to have a go and um, in fact we went up to Auckland to compete with this thing that didn't work and we thought we'd just go up for the day and just enjoy it because we didn't have something that worked, we just were disappointed but we thought no let's, let's keep our positive and spin on it, let's go up and enjoy it and um, we did um, and we got there and the guys were really helpful and they, they helped us get, get it working. And we end up coming away with a trophy for best dressed, <laughs> which we had googly eyes on it and pink fleece, and it looked great. It got completely smashed, but we had a great time. And uh, we came back to Hamilton on the drive back. In fact, it was as we we're driving past Pocono that night, but seven o'clock, and we said to each other, "Why don't we do something like this in Hamilton?" Again, being complete rookies, and um, so we set up a, a tournament for primary school kids called Box Bots, which is an annual tournament where we give schools a kit and they need to create a cardboard construction with that kit. So it's radio controlled and they just have to create a a box, some sort of construction around it. They get the motors, the battery, the receiver, it's fun. 
Um, and after a couple of years doing that, we thought, actually, well, I thought, let's have a go at doing this as a club in Hamilton. And so the club um, started two or three years ago in the Chartwell Scout Hall. Uh, they were really accommodating. And then the Makerspace in the Town Library, they were also really keen to have us. But the School of Engineering have been great. Obviously, it's, it's a great space there. They've got a lab set up as a workshop. Um, and every Thursday night there at the School of Engineering, um, they're really positive, they're really helpful. They actually sponsor us a bit of cash every year, which is really goes a long way. Um, it's really exciting. And of course, we do the tournaments at the end of each term, and everyone's invited to come, friends and family, and we get to smash all of our crazy constructions. Um, but it's really fun. It's really fun. It sounds like it might be expensive. Um, well, it can be. I mean, if people bought the kits, it can be a bit pricey. But what I do is I allow people to, uh, I loan the kits to them. So they pay for, it's around 200 a term, they pay for the, uh, obviously the tutorial and the membership and the, the servicing of the gear. And I loan them all the gear, give them all the pointers, set them up and guide them through the process throughout the term. And then at the end of the term, um, they keep their construction, but um, I need the electronics back. And some people opt to buy the gear because they just love it so much. Um, but yeah, there is, most people just uh, turn up for the membership and enjoy it, have a good time. Hmm. Is there usually some damage to the components? You know, I mean, it's not just, it's not just getting disassembled, is it? It's a lot more than that. That's right. Well, I mean, that's partly why there is a price to cover the cost of the consumables. And it's, when I provide the parts, I provide aluminium and hardware and screws and all this to it to, to actually assemble. And there's all sorts of tools and equipment as well. But there is damage, and it actually tend, the electronics tends to be the most expensive part. And so that's, um, yeah, some of that membership fee helps to recover the cost of, of the damage. <laughs> um, although I, I do encourage kids to smash a little bit and then just enjoy the tournament, I always cringe when I hear a little bit of transmitters dropping on the floor. Or, um, but it's a great sound. I mean, the, the sound of the tournament, is, you just hear spinning blades and wearing this and buzzing that and things getting kicked up in the air and it's great fun. Um, as much as you cringe when you hear it, it's actually great fun. It sounds like it would be a big, a big journey for, in this case, children to go on. Um, I guess you've got to have the basic understanding of circuitry in the beginning and then it just goes on and on from that and balloons and balloons until you've got actual um, uh, robots that can ram into each other and later on robots that can be weaponized. Yeah, you're right. And I think um, if someone wanted to do it by themselves, they would be, um, they would have a difficult time, like we did on the first year doing it without having any clue. We just thought, oh, this sounds cool, let's have a go. Um, but what I've done is it's, it's all very modular. And so um, I provide all the electronics, which is all ready to go. So there are gearboxes, there's battery boxes and receiver, and you can see it's all set up. And on the first day, we provide these um, cardboard or mounting plates, and people can just screw the parts on. And it's as simple as once it's screwed together, uh, you can once you, you can actually see it moving. Yeah. And obviously, this is not going to win any battles, but once it's moving, you can then go, oh, I know what I could do. I could build this on the front with some cardboard, or I could put some covers around the wheels with some cardboard, or I could protect the back, or I could make it triangular. Um, but what, I've done all the dirty work by getting it all 
working. And so there's no real trick to get it working. The trick is to actually make it aggressive or to protect the cables, for example. Um, some of the best robots we have are simply wedges, They're very, very shallow wedges that get underneath the opponents. And so it actually tends to be mostly about engineering. Um, some students who um, stick with Tronbots for several terms, they enjoy, they want to have a go at doing the larger constructions, which are called beetle weights. Uh, these ones are called ant weights, uh, which are limited to 450 grams. The beetle weights are 1.36 kg, so a little bit bigger. Um, and of course you have bigger parts and more aggressive parts and more expensive parts, uh, but it's all fun. Um, but yeah, we try to make it as modular as possible so that kids can be as successful, successful as possible. Having been a teacher uh, for a number of years, that is half the point of teaching, is to make kids successful. And if you can make kids successful, then they get excited and they enjoy it. Um, yeah. So you basically start um, on a level playing field. The, the competitors um, start on a level playing field and then it's up to them to visualise and design um, how their robot is going to do in the arena. Very much, yeah. I mean, ideally, card, we, we provide lots of cardboard because cardboard's a great medium. You can fold it, you can cut it. Kids are familiar with it. It's not scary. Um, and you can, you can make something in, in 10 minutes. It's really fun. It may not be flash, but it'll work. Um, and after the fourth week, we do a cardboard tournament <clears throat> where everyone's cardboard builds, <clears throat> excuse me, everyone's cardboard builds actually get to um, compete in an arena, but they're only cardboard. And it's a great chance, apart from stealing other people's ideas, yeah. to actually uh, see how their idea works. And they might have what they think is a terrible design, um, but actually works really well. They might have what they think is a great design, but actually it does terribly. And so it's a great chance to just have some fun, but also to test out their design. I suppose the cardboard would be relatively robust. Well, yes and no. I mean, the, the point of cardboard is it's cheap and easy, accessible. It's, yeah... Um, we wouldn't enter a tournament with spinning blades, etc., with cardboard. Um, and so after the fourth week of the cardboard tournament, we turn that cardboard body into a template, and they just mark around that until aluminium, and then they cut and fold and reshape their exact cardboard construction from aluminium. And so we have all the tools and equipment there for them to do that. At the School of Engineering? At Trombots, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's right. So it's all set up for them. Um, and it, I guide them through, I try not to do too much of it myself, I try to encourage them to make the decisions and show them how to do things, um, and most kids are pretty good, most kids really enjoy the challenge. Mm. Yeah. It sounds almost like a kind of uh, sheet metalwork situation, a miniature sheet metalwork situation, constructing the body, body of these bots. It's exactly what it is, yeah, and if you go onto the Trombots website you can see lots of different photos of different constructions and... You can see some of the tournaments and you can see what people have made. And uh, some people take them apart and spray paint the shell and put it back together and they put decals on and they really go to town. Um, some are very simple, some are just triangles, just triangle wedges, and others are um, quite elaborate. Mm. Uh, but it doesn't, uh, an elaborate design doesn't mean you win uh, because you've got to be able to drive it. And you have these, sometimes you have these fantastic designs. And if they haven't practiced driving, it's a complete waste of time. I always say to students, look, the best thing you can do once you've got your robot assembled is actually practice driving. Put some baked beans, baked bean cans on the kitchen floor and just practice driving around them. Because if you turn up to the tournament with a completely uh, fresh design which hasn't been driven, 
it looks great, but you actually you can't do anything with it. Mm. Um, so I really encourage students to practice, practice, practice. Mm. The judging criteria for the tournaments. So obviously there's a two minute two minute rounds, and um, at the end of the round, if there's no obvious winner, then students have the chance to we get. I have to judge, judge a winner, and so that is based on control, aggression, and strategy. Um, if one has been particularly aggressive, if one driver has shown particular, particularly good control, uh, then that's likely to be the winner. Um, but it's it's always fun if there's a clear winner during the tournament. Do you often have knockouts? Usually, <laughs> usually, yeah. I, I actually I prefer not to judge it. I prefer it just to be a a complete battle and of course that's where you get the, the screams and the giggles and the, the grinding blades and metal and that's fun it's just fun we've got a completely enclosed um, polycarbonate box which is see-through um, but it's polycarbonate is what bulletproof glass is made from so it's tough uh, and it's uh, yeah, it's a completely enclosed shell put your boxes in there latch it closed and away you go because um, I mentioned there would be steel and sparks flying yep definitely <laughs> definitely the beginner ones are essentially what we might call a sumo bot or a wedge bot or a, a pusher bot where there's just two driving motors and um, and you have to control your robot in such a way as to trap your opponent or push it into the pit for example. But as students progress they've got the option to include a flipper or a spinning blade or a grabber or some sort of interesting construction um, which they're ready for after they've done a basic. You can see it's actually relatively simple construction, uh, the basic um, board. And so once they've, once they've figured out how to fold sheet metal and they're confident, then they're, then they're ready for the, for the big league, which is exciting. So do the students get to design the, the flippers and spinning blades and fix, uh, fixtures like that themselves? Yep, yep. So again, we've got sheet metal tools. I've got some uh, spinner blades which they can use and I've got all the electronics that they need to make it work so for example the servos uh, that move forwards and backwards um, but yeah they design all the the hardware themselves um, in saying that every term there are things that I learn as um, as the supervisor as the person who runs Tronbots and I'm trying to find ways to make it more accessible um, and I will put together, uh, for example, these baseboards are a fairly new design. Um, and the, the motor mounts I've changed recently, they used to be just clipped on, um, which was great because they clipped straight onto cardboard, but the clips keep breaking. And so I've made it so that they screw on now, which is better. And so in uh, these battery boxes with the screw mounts, they're also a new thing. We used to just tape them on with masking tape. Uh, but you can see how, you can imagine how it's gone from just taping motors straight onto a piece of wood um, to a plastic mount of some sort to actually, yeah, every, we refine it on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. Every time I do trombots, I'm like, oh, that's a good idea. I might talk to someone and they will tell me something. Um, I'm, I'm going through exactly the same process as the students because they're trying to work out what the best thing to do is and I'm trying to work out what the best way to run trombots is. Yeah. <laughs> so it's sort of a parallel exercise. I guess as technology progresses as well, things will be changing and people's just understanding of of physics. Yeah, that's a really good thought. Yeah, we used to start with, we initially we had some quite basic transmitters and there were all manner of issues with them. And we've learned what transmitters work best now um, and we've found reliable gear. Um, so, 
apart from the damages during the tournament, we don't have too many technical issues now, mm. which is great because, again, you want kids to be successful. You want them to enjoy it. You want them to get stuck in and go have a good squeal and a good laugh and yeah. shove each other off the table. Yeah. <laughs> do you have e- engines overheating and things like that, or uh, is it mainly just we, to do We with definitely the... have parts that uh, let out the blue smoke sometimes. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, we do need to take some precautions, but generally it's pretty good. We do stop the battles if any wires are exposed. So to enter a tournament, your robot has to be completely enclosed in its shell. You can imagine battery wires. The batteries are really small, but they're really powerful lithium batteries. And if they're wires short or touch, then um, they can explode, catch on fire, smoke. Um, and we need to avoid that as much as possible. So um, yeah, anytime wires are exposed, we just stop and pull that robot out. Mm. I imagine that would be difficult to deal with in the um, uh, small arena space. Yeah, we have a fire extinguisher, mm-hmm. so if we need to use it, we have, we will. Um, we never have had the need to. We've got a bucket of sand. If we need to pull one out and drop it straight in the sand, and if that again, if that was a need, we would uh, take the bucket of sand with the robot and it straight outside. Mm-hmm. Um, but we haven't had to use that at any point. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we. I am very aware of uh, what's needed. Probably one of the biggest safety precautions is ensuring that robots are safe out of the arena because you can imagine a dangerous robot in the arena, good fun, but actually really, really dangerous outside of the arena in the workspace where there's 30, 40 other people working. And so um, one, of, one of the things when people register for the tournament is it has to have a weapon lock. Yeah. Um, your robot has to have a weapon lock on it and so it is physically disabled. Um, and I guess it is kind of like you're carrying you're carrying a weapon when you've got the robot. You very much are. You very much are. A wedge, a pusher, a, a, a pusher bot is very simple. It just pushes things. But if you've got a spinning blade, um, yeah, yeah. It, it's quite dangerous. Yeah, a blade designed to cut. Yeah, steel. that's right. <laughs> that's right. Um, so, yeah, we have weapon locks and we encourage students, well, students have to use them. Um, sometimes if students are testing their robot at the at the club, we have a test box, which is just a polycarbonate box. They can put their robot in and they can spin it up and they can test how it works. Um, sometimes if they want to drive around the floor, um, they can drive around with the weapon lock on and the um, weapon motor uh, disconnected. So there's no, it's, it's electrically isolated from the robot. Um, but yeah, it's really important for everyone's safety and for everyone's fun. You want to have fun, you don't want to go away with injury, mm-hmm. um, that we, we will keep safe and just enjoy the process. Mm. There would be a checklist you could run through when you're using the robot in different situations, as it were, you know, figuratively, even if so. Yep, yep, yep. definitely. Mm. Yep, it's really important that we keep everyone safe at Trombots and everyone turns up for a good time. Everyone turns up to enjoy being creative, enjoy the engineering. You don't want people going home with, yeah, 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 yeah it's important. Now, what sort of students do you get involved? Because um, it's for it's for younger children who might who probably won't be get able to get into studying for an engineering qualification or anything like that uh, at the time that they join the club. But that's obviously an interest of theirs. Um, but I imagine you'd get people from a lot of backgrounds who are interested in being a part of the club and for various reasons. 
We've had um, professionals join Tronbots just out of interest to see how radio control gear works and they're just curious and they want to try things. We've had, um, typically we have 10 to 15 year olds at Tronbots, but we have kids as young as seven with their parents and they're super keen and their parents are happy to support them. Um, we have intermediate kids who just love it by themselves. We have um, other kids who turn up want to do it with their brother or sister. Um, yeah, but it's typically from maybe maybe 9 or 10 up to through about 15. Uh, we've got, I think, even older than that at Trombots at the moment. Um, and they've been doing Trombots for quite some time. They've got, they've got some neat designs. Um, we recently, Trombots was able to buy a 3D printer recently, which is a fabulous tool. Um, courtesy of the School of Engineering. Um, like I said, they've been really supportive of us. Um, but what some students are exploring now is instead of just working with sheet metal, they're actually designing their robot on the computer in 3D using Fusion 360 or Tinkercad, free drawing tools. And they'll give me the file, I can then print it. And I can then construct it in there. They might then lay aluminium over the top of it or around it as armour. And so uh, it's a great option because students enjoy they, they come because they enjoy being creative with their hands but actually uh, soon their brains start ticking and start to think about the other opportunities that are there and plastic by itself is not very tough but once you armor it it becomes both light and tough um, and so yeah, it's a neat tool and of course i use it for manufacturing parts as well so there's that educational aspect certainly but definitely a dopamine rush as well when oh, you get to yeah. have the robots oh, clashing together. Yeah. And it sounds like it must just have some great outputs for the students. Um, uh, yeah, and just being a part of something. Yep. Um, earlier I said that um, when we first tried combat robotics, we made one, it didn't work very well. We ended up talking those students who did that with me, that was in 2017, we went up to Auckland, had a great time, um, and they were year seven or year eight at the time. Um, I've been, I've continued to be in touch with them, and they have been, actually, I've employed them as mentors at Tronbots, which is great, and so they, just this year, they've actually started studying uh, engineering, a Bachelor of Engineering, which is really exciting, I mean, I'm just really stoked for them, but it's, it's, um, it's really neat for me to see students progress from intermediate uh, through high school just loving the tinkering loving all the engineering opportunities and going yep this is they're pigs in mud they're, they're very happy and they yep they're made for it so it's great to see them uh, head off in that direction great that students get to discover they are actually into engineering because otherwise students might not get that opportunity sometimes students end up even at the end of high school not knowing what they want to do and I guess in decades past um, students used to know that they liked tinkering and they liked doing things with their hands but that's not so much something that young people do now um, right. you know everything's automated everything's pre-made um, but actually getting something of their own that they can create and that has an actual effect on the physical world um, <laughs> yep. is, would be a huge help to even help um, students m maybe who want to get into a trade who didn't know that they wanted to get into a you're trade. Right. Yep, you're right. 
I mean, it's, I mean, screens have got a place, but people seem to spend so much time on screens these days that um, there's, there is that loss of tactile engagement. And so um, it's neat for kids to be able to discover this. What I also find is that, I mean, I was never much into sports when I was a kid. And I feel like there are so many different sports and football and rugby and volleyball and all sorts of different things that you hear about. Um, but you don't tend to hear about things which are more hands-on, uh, creative types. There's a few arts things out there, but there's not a lot. Um, you always feel like the black sheep if you're not really into sports. Um, so I think this is neat for those who aren't into sports, and even for those who are into sports. Uh, it's great because it's just a completely different avenue for kids to explore. And they might try it and think, no, not for me, and that's fine. Um, but there are those kids out there who try it and go, yeah, this is me. And that's great uh, because it's, you've introduced them to something that they, they weren't aware of, they didn't know was a thing. Um, and like I said, you can, you can take it in all directions. These two girls who were my mentors, they're doing mechatronics um, now in Canterbury, which uh, I'm really excited to see how they go. I know they'll do well. Um, but yeah, there's so many avenues. Engineering is a, is a really underrated trade and it's a really, uh, really well paid trade as well. Uh, and I get really excited when kids get hands-on and creative and they enjoy making things and if they can turn it into a profession, um, then even better. The, uh, the catch sign of Trombots is inspiring tomorrow's engineers. Uh, and I, think, I like to think that's what Trombots is all about. Um, encouraging and nurturing that, that hands-on, that, that technical problem solving, that, um, yeah, that, that fun, hands-on fun. So how can people get involved with Trombots? So probably the best thing to do is um, jump on the website and have a look at some of the photos, check out what's going on. Um, the well, people are welcome to come along in the evenings to the labs and just check them out as well. The tournaments at the end of each term, um, they are really, really fun. Um, and they're on the Facebook page as well. Um, but the tournaments are great fun. They are Saturday afternoons at, toward the end of each term. Um, and they're, they're three or four hours long and they're just good, clean fun. Um, people are welcome to come along and bring a few snacks. Um, we had a family come up from Ohakuni um, uh, recently to see their to see one of their relatives compete in the battle. And they brought a picnic. They had uh, all their younger kids there, and they brought lunch. And it was lovely seeing it laid out right beside the arena, which was hilarious. But um, <laughs> yeah, it was great. People just come up and enjoy it. So people are welcome to come and check it out. If they're curious, um, photos on the website. They can register on the website as well. Yeah, it's lovely to see people have a go and try things out and see something new they haven't seen before. Fantastic. Shannon, thank you so much for your time. Oh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for listening to this episode of WTS Waikato. If you liked what you heard, you can follow the show on Facebook or find it wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks to Free FM, the Community Access Media Alliance and New Zealand On Air for making this show happen. WTS Waikato aims to share the hyperlocal, controversial and quirky stories of the Waikato region. I'm your host, Gary Farrow. If you have any stories you think are worth sharing, email me, technician at freefm.org.nz and we can try plan something out. You can also get in touch with me via the WTS Waikato Facebook page. I look forward to hearing from you. Mā te wā.
Thanks for listening to this Free FM podcast. If you want to hear more content like this, you can support Free FM via Patreon. Head to patreon.com/freefm89 to find out more.